Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show here, coming to you at 8 p.m. every single Tuesday. Uh, hello to all those of you lot watching live on YouTube, FaceTube, YouTube. Facebook and Twitter, and also obviously uh, those who watch the recordings as well. Thank you. Great to have you all here. Love your comments uh, and uh, interacting with you guys. And that's what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be having a look at some Q&As, some questions that have been asked by the audience uh, across Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. So let us know your thoughts. Um, if, you're, if you are watching live, you can put some questions in. If you're watching the recording, put some questions in as well. We'll get around to them next week. Um, and don't forget also, you can listen to the recording on the podcast. Just search for New Zealand Sport Radio on your favorite podcatcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of those wonderful places. So um, before we get into the topics, I'll uh, bring in my guest. Um, it's uh, Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well. My highlight of the week, all you fans out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're on either YouBook or FaceTube, you got it. You're in the right Writing place. more. <laughs> always a pleasure so yeah guys thanks thanks for tuning in and you know we, we're starting to build a bit of a following and you know uh it's you know you guys make this show and it's uh it's really cool to be on and paul thank you for having me they don't make the show i do it's all about me how dare you jeez they make the show you see this whole face you and uh, you, you you book and um uh, and, and FaceTube, these are the new places that Donald Trump have gone. And now he's been banned off the main ones. These are our, we've hit the alternative uh, uh, social media platforms. And that's what it's all, that's what it's all, that's where it's all at nowadays. Um, Good evening to Simon Hughes. One of our evening, Simon. regulars evening, on the show. Yep, two, two regular. Jack Dabby um, as well. Viewers, great to have you guys here. So yeah, some of the questions that have come in um, from South Africa, we've been asked, asked about uh, who's going to make the Curry Cup final. Um, we've got... Uh, We've been asked around down the, the mini World Cup that uh, the uh, Australia rugby has been suggesting um, that takes place in July of this year. Uh, Boa brought up a lovely topic around the Lions and Plan Z. Um, it sounds like World War Z or something. I don't know. One of those uh, funny, uh, <laughs> funny zombie movies that we're going to have going on. So, yes, it's going to be a zombie apocalypse Lions tour, apparently. But, hey, we'll get on to that one later. Um, the Crusaders have announced their replacement coach as well. So we'll get on to that. And a few Super Rugby questions um, asking us who, what, what we think our first 15s are for each of the sides. 
Um, what should there be mid-season transfers and uh, which where will Super Rugby expand to next or where should it expand to? Those are all the ones that have been come through um, on the old socials. Um, and also, by the way, you can also email me. That's a really old-fashioned way of doing it, isn't it? Paul at nzsportradio.com is how you can email me as well. So um, we'll get through as many of those as we can. Ones we don't get through this week, hey, there's always next week. Let's be honest, we're a, few, we're, we're a little ways off um, Super Rugby. But I do know that it's coming up because uh, I have um, I got sent today the uh, my online form to uh, um, to apply for media access. So um, yes, it's it's starting to hot up. It's starting to become real. Uh, it's nearly here, uh, isn't it, Boa? It is. It is. And Paul, good to see that you've been invited to uh, cover the Super Rugby. You're moving to the oh, um, slow down. I... Sir, I've been invited to apply. That doesn't mean I'm going to get. Doesn't mean I'm actually going to actually get it. So let's just one step at a time. One step at a time. I'm I'm sure you will, mate. I'm sure you will. And um, you know, knocking on the right doors. And it's good to see that you know New Zealand Sport Radio moving in with the right. Um, what's the word I need to use? The right elements of sport. Maybe. I'm, in- I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not sure that this, that that stuff and the Herald are great uh, people to be uh, associated with, or, or or good company. But there you go. Well, this. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's all relative. It is all subjective. Love them or hate them. Uh, but yeah, now very exciting times, and um, yeah, it's it's you know um, I've been keeping an eye on what some of the uh, Super Rugby squads are doing, and. I can I can assure you that these guys are really putting in the hard hard yards some some real emphasis on uh, strength and conditioning and uh, yeah it's going to be a very exciting season that's for sure it is and, and folks even I went to preseason training last week and this is uh, this is um, so yeah so I I got down to uh, the, the Waihee Rugby Club uh, for, um, for 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 that I think, I think it was uh, yeah the first run out of the year. Uh, don't worry, folks. I'm not actually going to be playing. This body would get broken very quickly, and uh, you would you suddenly lose New Zealand sports radio as I spent the next six months in hospital. Um, but um, so yes, I will be. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been getting down to uh, to first to, to to preseason to get a bit of family fitness. Um, Bella, have you been involved in preseason with um, Manukau Rovers? Yeah, look, uh, you know, for last couple of seasons, we've really been uh, focusing on the conditioning aspect of it because, you know, being a club in South Auckland, especially uh, players who are by and large amateurs uh, involved at the grassroots level or community sport, you know, they tend to uh, kind of taper off the um, fitness especially uh, just before Christmas, just after Christmas, and they come back. Uh, you know you know what they say, you know, the the, the uh, square of the meal, the rounder you get. So they, they come in uh, carrying a few pounds um, extra. But I have to say over the last couple of years, one thing I have seen even at um, amateur rugby level, most of the players involved, they take their uh, training very, very seriously. Um, and I see them do a lot of training on their own, uh, especially with you know we having strength and conditioning coaches, they prescribe schedules and programs, and then they stick to it. And of course, uh, one way to know uh, whether you've done the work is uh, the testing regime as you come back, the good old Bronco. Um, and I have to say, you know, some of these kids they really put in the yards, and we very quickly find out who's done the work and who hasn't. So um, yeah, uh, off season is always a bit of a drag. You 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 hear a bit of oohs and ahs, lots of sore bodies, but. From a coaching point of view, you really get to know the guys who actually do put in the work. 
uh, and it's uh, testing times, Paul. Yeah, it is. I, I remember having a hockey coach in Hong Kong, and he said that he was very he was he was uh, uh, was going through all the age grades and stuff, and did fine until he got to um, provincial level, and they put a heart rate monitor on him, and they went. You're lazy, aren't you? And he's like, "Well, I could run a bit harder." <laughs> yeah, that was where he got dropped. <laughs> at that point where they could actually monitor kind of how much running he was, um, uh, he was uh, sort of really doing. So yes, all all fun. And Paul, keep in mind, uh, especially for the club premier get premier grade players this season, there's going to be a lot of competition because obviously, what's happening in Japan, uh, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty. So you will actually see a lot of players. Uh, come down from Japan and uh, especially in the Auckland and the counties, Manukau, and also probably in the Wellington region, uh, you will see a lot of players who have been contracted to these Japanese clubs come down wanting some game time. So the reality is if you're an a amateur player, you really, really have to be on your game because you're competing for spots, valuable spots uh, against now hardened professionals who play rugby for a living. We're looking for game time. So going to be an interesting season, 2021. Yeah, there's um, a few comments in here. Nocturnal Rights says that um, uh, Sport Radio should take a road trip to Christchurch and Dunedin for Super Rugby. I would love to. Um, a road trip would get wet, though, wouldn't it? And that requires flights. Uh, um, flights, unfortunately, seem to require money uh, rather than flapping. So um, if you would like to uh, uh, give me some fun, so potentially I could get down there, then um, then have a look at patreon.com forward slash Radio. Um, and become a supporter of New Zealand Sport Radio, and perhaps we'll be able to get down to Christchurch and Dunedin. Um, so, Jack, yes, I agree. Fantastic idea. I would love to get down there, um, as uh, but, hey, it's not going to happen. Uh, those of you that are joining us, thank you so much for joining us live. Thank you so much, because I do know over in Australia, there is a cracking test match. I was watching it until uh, until we came on air. Uh, as um, So Arun hopefully will keep us up to date in the live chat with how that one's going. India, um, as you said, is just needing 53 runs with five wickets left, five, wow. wickets, five wickets left off nine overs. So, yes, really going down to the wire there, um, cracking a cracking test match um, of being going on. And uh, you can listen to Arun and myself talk about it last night on the Swinging from the Hip. Um, and if you're into your cricket, go check out that show um, as well. Um, talking uh, about Super Rugby, and, yeah, Thomas makes the point there that uh, – the force have recruited like crazy. Um, yes, they have done. Um, Boa, as you'll as you'll be aware, re recruiting a team like uh, recruiting a squad is one thing. Getting them to play on the pitch as a team is another, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with your crucial positions and combinations, especially your halves, your back three, uh, your your throwing and jumping uh, partnerships, um, and of course, you know the general whole uh, culture in your team. Um, so it's it's not just a case of going and recruiting uh, the best possible bunch of uh, players you can. All it then have all all it then becomes is it's kind of like uh, General Hannibal's army of mercenaries who uh, you know who fought in the Carthaginian wars. Uh, Super rugby or any competition for that matter. If you go back and analyze the last 10, 15, 20 years in those blocks of five years, but you see some very common patterns. And some of those patterns are the same bunch of players in some of the key positions are um, retained. And also their succession planning, i.e. their bench strength, and also the wider development teams. Uh, and the academy teams have some really quality players. And they don't tend to recruit laterally too much. 
Uh, yep. Case in point being the Crusaders. So um, yeah, I mean, whilst at face value it might look like the 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 force or the Western uh, Perth-based force are recruiting help, you know, which is wonderful for them because they've obviously got the financial backing of uh, the uh, mining magnate tree right behind them. Um, you know, throwing money and recruiting right, left, and center might not necessarily be the be-all and end-all answer for high performance. It's more a case of understanding playing patterns, having the right halves combinations, uh, especially the halves combinations, um, and also having a, a consistent bunch of players who understand the culture and understand the playing patterns who can turn up just at a drop of a hat and do their jam. Yeah, and uh, also right, says, who are some of the big names? Uh, well, Thomas Cabelli, Rob Kearney, uh, as Jack puts in the live chat there. Also, um, Tavita Kirindrani uh, has moved over um, there. They already had um, a good win. So, yes, a... Uh, uh, a back uh, a, a Brumbies um, centre partnership potentially um, happening there. So yeah, some they have got some good names, but it, uh, but also uh, the um, players like Rob Kearney. Let's be honest, towards the end of his um, his career, so an yeah. older player, um, Kieran Drani, is he still the same player um, that he was? Uh, yeah, he's. I think he's got some. Uh, uh, what's the word? Yeah, some. Uh, uh, some some case to make to try and get himself back into that Wallabies team. Um, so yes, I'm, it's it's whilst yes, there are experience and some good names there. Perhaps past their peak um, for a couple of them. Yeah, and I think you know recruiting guys like Rob Gurney. I mean, you know, my view, uh, you know, well past their prime. To me, it's just a payday gig. You know, they just turn up and do their jam. And and if you're serious about winning a title, you really need players who have true X factor. And this is where you go slightly lateral and uh, recruit the real game breakers. Now that doesn't mean necessarily you have to go and uh, uh, recruit or sign up a, a a big name from either hemisphere. You really need to start looking uh, a little wider and pick players based on the rest of the squad who can play to a certain style and play to those attacking patterns you have so um you know case in point being someone like caleb clark who um you know at a very young age brought straight into the blues then straight into the all black fold um and you know that's the sort of game breaker you need so with all due respect for Kani, all his experience all those years to me it looks like a big payday retirement gig eventually leading up to retirement um so we wish him I mean, and I mean, some, of the, I mean, some of the things he does bring I mean, people like him people like um jeremy thrush the ex all black um is that they, they they bring a certain amount of, um, of professionalism to the squad, so players know how so the young players can know how know how to behave. Um, but you'd think also when they're bringing in players like um, Thomas Cabelli, um, the uh, Thomas uh, Lazana, uh, we've also got Santiago Madero, uh, Medrano, and um, Domingo Miotti, uh, four uh, uh, ex Haguares players coming into the side. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure they really need that um, the experience of someone like Rob Carney, but hey, uh, look, we're talking about a British and Irish Lions player. Uh, he he is he 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 is class, but yeah, on on, on the downhill, um, as you say. Uh, Simon Hughes does 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 mention Toulon. Sure, Toulon went was very good, and then they went and got themselves player a player called Johnny Wilkinson. Um, and uh, when you've got players like um, oh, I've gone blank, the South African lock. Who was a um, uh, not not both of the other one um, there? 
But when you've got um, so, someone like um, players like that who are going, oh, we were scared not to train with um, Johnny Wilkinson around because uh, his levels were so high. Yeah, it, it took someone like him to bring the right culture in to Toulon. Um, and they went from being a collection of Galacticos to being a team that went and won things. Uh, and you got to remember, a lot of those players also went back to South Africa uh, and carried on playing international rugby. Um, with, with the, I mean, the the the, the Argentinians aside, um, you can't really see many of the other ones going back uh, and playing much more international rugby. To be honest, um, so yeah, uh, look, hopefully the force will be more. Uh, look, it's it's great they're in a permanent competition now. It's great that they actually get um, uh, they get some play uh, to, to to exist. Uh, and hopefully they can grow from this. But yeah, don't expect too much from them this year. Is my would be my uh, uh, yeah my comment. Yeah, look, it's it's a very interesting strategy and interesting formula they use. Um, you know, it's Super Rugby is uh, you know very competitive, very high level of competition, and you know you need some you need some special players, and of course you need a great culture, and you need some very good playing patterns which the players know inside out to win let alone be competitive. So all the best to the force. May the force be with them. But for me, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, not sorry, not, well, it'll be interesting to see what, um, say, they brought in some some good players so, uh, in the forwards. So we'll see how their pack compares to others. Um, and uh, the problem with playing a high-tempo game is that you have to know exactly what everyone's doing. Otherwise, balls suddenly start hitting grass, etc. So it's all, it's all going well. So, oh, we'll just play a high-tempo game. But then you have to be even more in sync with each other than if you're playing a slower-tempo game. So it's uh, it's all good and well just saying, hey, let's try and run the opposition off their feet. Uh, it's not that easy. Um, let's move over to South Africa, though. Uh, and have you been following the Curry Cup um, at all, Boa? Uh, are you able yeah. to? Because we've, we've, we had a, a question uh, from Twitter um, on this one. Uh, coming from, and I'm just bringing up Twitter now, I should have actually had all these lined up, obviously, um, but um, from uh, Demo Lucas, um, she says there, yeah, who do, you, who do you think will play in the final Curry Cup match? Well, I've, I've been following bits and pieces, always uh, one for the highlights, especially because of the, the time difference. Um, Nick Mallet, former South African coach, came out and said some very interesting things. In fact, he's... Uh, is heavily critical about what's happening in the Curry Cup, saying it was quite boring. In fact, um, yeah, there's there's been a few games where it's been kind of error riddled, but I do like the look of the Bulls uh, from Pretoria and uh, probably uh, Western Province Super Rugby, the the franchise, uh, the Stormers as they're known, the beautiful blue and white. Um, well, Western Province in the uh, yes in Curry Cup Stormers in Super in Curry Rugby. <laughs> Super rugby, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like the look of those two teams. Uh, being very consistent, and they, they like to attack edge to edge. So, uh, Bulls seem to me the, the front runners. They they've got that typical Springbok style of rugby. So, um, yeah, Bulls and Western Province. Uh, and uh, there's a link down below on in both Facebook and YouTube to my predictions that are on uh, nzsportsradio.com. I do predictions across all the top professional rugby competitions uh, all year round. So um, you can always get those on nzsportsradio.com. Uh, my thoughts are not that far from Boas, I must admit. Uh, you've got to say, um, yeah, the Bulls, Bulls facing the Lions uh, in one of them. Uh, the Bulls beat the Lions by seven points um, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, no, but yeah, two weeks ago, I think it is now, yeah. Um, 
So I, I don't see why that would change. Uh, also, the uh, Western Province against um, against the Sharks. Now, Western Province have only won one game against top top four opposition, um, and uh, so but uh, the Sharks have been equally bad uh, and have uh, basically won at home and lost away. So you got to say um, the uh, yeah the the, the Sharks. Blue yeah. So balls and, what, what, balls, and, balls and storms for me as well. Yeah, one thing I have to say is uh, if you look at the numbers, uh, there's been a high level of unforced errors, lots of knock-ons and lots of skewed passes. So that that, that is a bit of a concern. But I have to say, when um, these teams, especially the Bulls and the province, when they've been um, on a roll and when they actually get those passes sticky, boy, they look really good. They look really worthy of a good highlight reel so anyone out there i would encourage you watch the highlights don't tend to watch the game end to end because there are there are large parts of most of these games it was a bit of a difficult watch purely because there was uh, a, a large number of um, unforced errors and i think uh, based on what i'm seeing rassi erasmus and the springboks did the right thing by dodging the championship because uh the the, the rugby well, i'm seeing in the current is not no, quite to, to be to. fair. A, a, a lot of the Springboks play overseas now. Um, uh, you're looking at some very young, inexperienced sides here in the Curry Cup uh, coming through. I mean, it's more look, we are talking minor 10 cup rather than super rugby level uh, here with this one. Uh, the with, with players off in Japan and Europe, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd some um, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I do think you, you're right, it is it isn't it isn't up to that level anymore. Uh, and a lot, a lot of work needs to be put into the Curry Cup. Mallets, um, yeah, interesting. The, the, the Springbok coach who lost to Japan. Um, interesting to hear his thoughts. But anyway, there you go. Um, but uh, talking of um, uh, Razi Erasmus, you mentioned something about uh, about the Lions tour in his comments. Plan Z. Z for Zorro. <laughs> well, there's uh, uh, that was very, very interesting. Um, Razi, well, basically what he was saying was that the Springboks and uh, Saru are prepared to go to any lengths to make this happen. Now, there's been some rumors that they are willing to actually uh, break tradition, break protocol, and go to the British Isles, i.e. England. Uh, but obviously, with, with the prevailing situation with um, COVID-19, all that is up in the air. So I, uh, it's very intriguing when he said Plan Z, usually if you say Plan B, uh, so he's made a reference to Plan Z. And I don't know, maybe they are seriously looking at bringing the tour down under because obviously there'll be uh, bumper crowds. Um, and of course, there are ways of being creative on how you can get both teams warmed up, prepared, because you have a number of Super Rugby franchises uh, locally available to play as well. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't want to speculate or assume or read too much into what Rossi has said. He's a very smart man, very tactical sort of guy. So obviously for him throwing a, a, a bone like that, it's it's really got the, uh, the internet trolls and internet fans talking. I, I, I was flooded by, flooded with messages over the last couple of days over this comment from my friends and fellow um you know, uh, peers in the rugby world. So it be very interesting to see. Um, I hope, I hope Plan Z stands for Plan NZ. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, by saying Plan Z is, is yeah, obviously Plan A is for the British Irish Lions to tour South Africa with 50,000 supporters. And we, we've said all along, that looks, um, yeah, to put politely, overly optimistic um, <laughs> or delusional is another way of putting it. Um, so, 
by by saying Plan Z is just is saying, look, we are looking at multiple options. There's that. There's obviously the British Irish Lions traveling in a bubble without fans. Uh, there's the option of South Africa going to the UK with fans or going to the UK without fans or postponing a year to 2023, uh, as you say, potentially playing the tour in Australia or and or New Zealand um, because you could land in New Zealand, quarantine 14 days, then travel, to play a couple of tech, play some games here, then travel to Australia, whether you don't have to quarantine and go and continue playing because you're coming from New Zealand. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of different options there. Uh, but it's very clear that, uh, for, as far as South Africa is concerned, that playing the rugby championship last year was not essential. Playing the Lions is. I, I think that, that's basically his message here, that, the, that, they, that this tour has to happen um, somehow because of yeah, the financial two, impact of it. Two Exactly. Two key elements there, Paul. Obviously, the financial, I think, uh, they're, they're starting to really feel the pinch. They, they, need, the, they need the revenue. Absolutely. And there'll be a lot of pressure from the sponsors. And of course, uh, you know, planning to the next World Cup, getting your ducks in a row as far as your players, uh, you know, very, very critical part of that cycle. That being said, um, you know, where South Africa were and how they won uh, the 2019 World Cup, that really threw a conundrum that you don't essentially need to get that four-year cycle bang on to go on to win a Rugby World Cup, which is what they did, and there's absolute empirical proof to show that. Uh, but for Asi Rasmus, director of rugby South Africa, to come out and say that obviously uh, there's there's a lot of financial pressure, and obviously there's player wages, and there's all sorts of things which they need to consider. So uh, looks like looks like South Africa are indeed being quite genuine in saying that they need they're, they're prepared to do whatever it takes to make this tour happen. So, I mean, one of the things that we've got to say about this is there's a big difference between a South Africa um, turning, uh, turning things around to a Rugby World Cup and uh, some of the other countries. South Africa only ha well, have essentially four provinces. So you've got all your players, essentially, or a lot of your players in four teams, right? So a lot of them play together already. already. There's a lot of connectivity in that. You take that to France, for example, where you have 14 teams in the top 14, or uh, or, or to England where you have got 12 in the in the Premiership. It's a different ball game, pulling players together from that many teams, uh, and also the access that South Africa had uh, outside of international windows again was very high. The 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 amount that he that Razi got the Super Rugby franchises to work with him. Which he won't. Which the French and the British, uh, sorry, the French and the English head coaches won't be able to get. So, uh, some yes, it applies to some countries more than others. I think is, is the point there. Uh, and also, that's yeah, I, South Africa never never lack quality players. They always have enough players. That's a, that's a brilliant way to analyze situation, Paul, because you're you're bang on the uh, number of franchises, the quality of players, and of course, you know their schoolboy system. Moving on to the uh, Curry Cup, and then on to the Super Rugby franchises. You know, you know they've got a very, very sound system. There's, uh, you know, much like New Zealand here. There's no shortage of talent. There's always a a, a, a churning out process of never-ending talent. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting case study. Uh, but from where they were to winning a World Cup after losing the first pool stage game, fantastic stuff.
Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, you talked about potentially playing in uh, Australia, and um, Andrew G. Owen on Twitter says thoughts on the proposed mini World Cup that Rugby Australia have come out with. So what? What's uh, uh, Australia basically says? Look, we're already hosting a team down here, uh, and we are perfectly happy to host other teams if they would like to come and play us. Uh, you're all welcome. Was I think essentially the uh, the, the sales pitch. Some. Uh, um, do you think there's anything more than that, or is it just purely um, pie in the sky? Let's throw something out there and see if anything sticks. Yeah, I think it's a bit of bait, bait for the flounder, <laughs> more or less, uh, hoping that someone will uh, well get a bite. But looks like that's not going to happen because realistically, uh, Paul, you know, it's just too much of tinkering to do, and obviously with the the the. The, the teams involved, you know, they would have their specific plans. So all this means is that they will have to rejig their plans or, um, you know, they might end up sending a depleted team. So we don't really want to see that. What we want to see is quality, competitive test matches. So um, throwing um, a, a, a sort of speculative spanner in the works in reality is not going to help. Um, and of course, you know, uh, with with these four-year cycles, uh, the amount of planning, especially the high-performance coaches, going to is quite mind-blowing. So all this is going to do is add uh, a different dimension. And in a, um, if I can use a polite term, it's just going to be a nuisance. So yeah, in, in my view, it's just pie in the sky. It's just trying to bait people, uh, and it's very, very, very unlikely that this is going to um, eventuate, unless of course something very spectacular happens. Um, and it's desperate times for rugby union. But the way things are moving uh, down under, especially in Australia and New Zealand, with the pandemic situation, is very positive. So I can't see it happening. And um, I'm not so sure that any of the major unions are actually going to agree to this. So give an idea as to some of the stuff that's going on then. That's Well, no, <laughs> let's rephrase that. So there's planned to, there's planned to go on in July uh, obviously, whether or not it happens, we'll have to wait and see. So England are planning on playing Scotland, the USA and Canada. Uh, obviously, they're, uh, they're, they'll be missing a large number of players, uh, probably sort of 10 or so, you'd think, uh, well, uh, to, to the Lions, because the Lions are looking at taking what's it, 35, I think it is, players to um, uh, South Africa. Uh, so uh, the um, well, this is obviously the assumption here is that the Lions tour does go ahead. And we've just seen that... Uh, they're looking at option Z. So, uh, so there, there, is, there is a chance of that. So with the situation in the States, will it improve under, improve under Biden? Who knows? Uh, will England want to travel over there? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Scotland, after playing England, are heading off down to Argentina. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but um, I've not heard much out of Argentina recently. But I know that they were in a bad way uh, COVID-wise um, previously. Uh, New Zealand is expecting to host Italy. So I think New Zealand will be open to uh, taking the, taking Italy over to Australia probably and getting involved in a mini World Cup series and get some better opposition, uh, in all honesty. Uh, well, the from, term mini World Cup is, is quite a stretch, isn't it? It's like pulling a bungee cord. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. um, France are supposed to be playing um, Japan. Uh, playing in Japan. Um, the uh, as, uh, So, and with obviously the situation in Japan isn't great at the moment, as we've seen delays to the top 14. Not top 14, sorry, the top league um, up in top Japan. Japan. So could Japan and France come down to Australia to join in that uh, that sort of Nations Cup or whatever you want to um, 
um, or whatever you want to call it, uh, Mini World Cup or whatever. So look, I, I, there's a possibility, I think, that um, that Australia could. Be, I mean, yeah, you look at well, one of the things that you've that we've learned from the Australian Open though is whatever the guidelines are for the general public, the players will have to will have to follow them as well. With uh, currently with Djokovic going, I must talk to my coach, mate. There's a thing called FaceTime, or or or, or, or um, that you can do, or you can you can video call your coach. You don't have to have him walk around to your to your hotel room. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, he says, yeah, try try and move people into private houses, players into private houses with tennis courts. Boy, oh boy, you really have not read the temperature of the room, have you? With comments like that. Um, or, well, that's uh, not, that's your daily dose of self entitlement, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, any rugby teams going to Australia, uh, you're going to have to abide by the local laws. That you're not going to get any special treatment, um, especially if you're flying on an airplane that's got COVID cases that keep keep getting found. So um, there we yeah, go. Yeah, and, and Paul, look, in, end of the day, I mean, we have uh, you know we have health experts who are experts. In, in epidemiology, in virology. So once they set the guidelines, and they're simple enough to follow anyway, um, you know, we have to follow them. It's that simple. And um, a direct result of following them is defeating and curbing, in, in New Zealand's case, complete elimination, i.e. community transmission of this COVID-19 virus. So um, really, if, uh, you know, professional sportsmen coming out and saying, you know, I need to check to my coach or give us a house at tennis court, I mean, yeah, he needs a bit of reality check. It's very disappointing when that sort of thing happens, and especially with the uh, general public and Joe public sac sacrificing so much. Uh, it's uh, it's probably real poor taste. So uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's faced a bit of a backlash. And keep in mind, Djokovic had, had that incident where he hosted a, a, a tournament. I think it was about eight months ago, and then so it's 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 messy, very very messy. <laughs> Two tournaments where they were playing basketball, uh, uh, yeah, very close to each other, uh, and host a party as well. And funnily enough, uh, most of the players who were on those tournaments that he did one more tournaments got COVID. Well done, yes, um, yeah, he's got yeah, he's got good form, hasn't he? In this in this in this one, uh, one of the female Maybe. players also is holding up a sign saying "Give us air." It's like, look, yes, I understand your windows can't open. We found out what in New Zealand what happens if we allow you to open the windows. You jump out of them and escape. That's why we lock the windows. <laughs> you have, <laughs> you have, you have air. Don't worry. You can breathe. You've got air conditioning. You're fine, girl. Um, and one of the one of the tennis players, his partner was complaining that she would have to spend 14 days without seeing a professional hairdresser. Wow, that one. Uh, I think that, that was that was very much yet yeah, not reading the room. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, um, anyway, yeah. Moving on then. Um, Timothy Ellison, yeah, you, you, uh, has, has joined the Crusaders as a defence coach um, after Mark James, I think it was, Mark Jones, sorry, um, Mark Jones. Uh, decided not to, not to return from Wales uh, to continue um, with uh, with his second year of his contract. Quite, and you can understand why, with these COVID times, why he wants to be near a um, family, uh, and quite rightly, the Crusaders and him agreed that that would be, uh, that they took, that they'd done. Uh, end his contract and let him stay up in Europe. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but um, they said they weren't going to rush into re um, replacing him. Um, and yeah. uh, they've, uh, well, they've gone and found a, 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 someone uh, relatively quickly uh, in Tony Ellison. What, what are your thoughts on, on, the, on that, uh, that appointment? 
Yeah, look, I've been following this uh, quite closely, in fact, uh, because I remember it was uh, Colin Mansbridge, I think the CEO, he was on radio talking about this. And they've, uh, he was talking about uh, sharing portfolios, i.e. other coaches taking over certain parts of the defensive element of the Crusaders. Uh, and he said, look, at the moment, everyone's happy to share, so we're in no great rush. Uh, but Crusaders being the Crusaders, you know, when they see uh, talented people, they seem to always get them on board. Uh, but I have to say, in Tamati's case, now I don't know what he's like a coach uh, or what he's as a coach or what he's like a coach. Um, I have to say I'm very, very surprised that he has been drafted in straight away with uh, relatively uh, little to no experience uh, coaching. We all know, you know, he's had a, a very illustrious career playing um, pretty much uh, in a number of teams. Um, if you look at Super Rugby, I think last team he played for was the Melbourne Rebels. And then he went over to the Rams uh, in Japan as well. So uh, a lot of experience. Uh, so I think it's very interesting. Uh, um, signing but but again um you know scott robertson and the team would have uh seen something in him or he would have brought something whilst in the interview which are really intrigued and they would have seen a good fit in tom t ellison so i wish him all the best uh it's going to be uh interesting to see how he develops as a coach and and in uh, guys i assume nothing you know we they the crusaders may very well have unearthed a gem but all that is yet to be seen yeah, I have to wait and see. I mean, as they finished playing in 2018 at uh, the um, Rioc uh, Black uh, Rams, uh, and you'd Japan. kind of expect that he probably uh, spent uh, the last couple of years there doing some player coach kind of role, uh, and then sort of it's two. He's had two years, so 2019, 2020. Uh, I'm not sure how much, um, how much. Uh, uh, sort of cricket, uh, how much how much coaching managed to do in 2020, but can uh, <laughs> be disrupted. Yeah, but yeah, two years of coaching and then to be straight into a Super Rugby assistant coach role. Wow, yes, that that is very quick. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, promotion. Uh, they do talk about uh, his that he has connections with the province uh, and um, also you know, connections through the, his iwi as well. Um, so that's yeah, supposed to be part of it. Whatever the whatever the methodology, Paul. I mean, I it's it's a complete departure to how they've usually gotten their coach. Now, for example, Scott Robertson Razor. I think he started his coaching career uh, mid two thousands, coaching an under eight team in Sumner, and he progressed through the ranks, and then obviously took the uh, New Zealand under twenty, the Colts, they won a junior world title, and then you know he progressed through and. Um, Despite all that success, he he still ended up not getting the All Blacks job. So you know you you compare that to Tamati. So um, look, I think great opportunity for the young man. I, I I can only hope that you know he does some wonderful things. And and, and you know defense is a is a very intriguing sort of thing because you know I personally have a lot to do with defense. Obviously, it's my safe tackle framework, and and I I I observe most of these high performance teams very very closely, purely for the fact that uh, in in the modern day. The, the tackle area, the tackle technique in defense um, seems to be going higher and higher and higher, even though the guidelines are clearly saying you need to be tackling lower. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Tamati uh, approaches this. And also with some of my work I'll be doing with Safe Tackle Framework, where we're actually trialing it here in New Zealand in a couple of adult competitions, which I will talk about um, as 
time unravels. Um, I'd be really interested to see to have a chat with him and see what that defensive philosophy is because the Crusaders, boy, they have some really solid defensive work. Um, and let's so, hope that he can take it to the next level. So he was a he was a player coach with Japan Japanese top league with the uh, Kurita Water Gush, um, which um, I believe is the second tier uh, Japanese top league team. Not not in the top tier there. Uh, and then also was part of the Wellington Lions coaching group last year for the My Ten Cup. So I say, yeah, quick uh, quick promotion. Um, congratulations to, to him, and, and yeah, good luck um, at uh, the Crusaders. Um, Big step up, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. robbing a liquor store and then straight away going to the Federal Reserve. So good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm turning right, so a couple of things in, a couple of questions in here. What our thoughts on um, the five second law about the uh, ball in the ruck being applied? What do you think about that, about referees? Oh, look, look, guys, referees, referees, referees. This thing has been around for a long time. Use it, use it, use it. 15 seconds later, the ball stick still in the ruck. I've only seen two referees, one in uh, Super Rugby and one in the um, Gala Premiership, uh, say, look, use it, and they didn't use it, and they lost. So this whole five-second thing, you know, it's you know, how long is a piece of string? I mean, five seconds in everyone's time is five seconds. So unless uh, there's a there's a, a virtual clock in front of some of these referees, because most of them are blind anyway. <laughs> yep, I said it. Um, you know, it's to, to me, it's just all red herring. I think we just need to simplify the game. The the simple law has to be once the ball is available, the referee says use it. When he says he or she says use it, the ball's got to go out. If it isn't. Blow the whistle and give a scrum. It's pretty simple. There's all five seconds, 15 seconds. Uh, to me, it's just nonsensical. Uh, if you're going to stick with the five-second law, then look, we, we have this guy on TV watching uh, who doesn't really do much, right? He can sit there with it. He can go, right, yep, the ball's available. Click, stopwatch, stop a stopwatch, uh, and just go beep down the down the line. And uh, the players know that uh, referee's going to get beeped. And as soon as he gets beeped, he's going to blow. And he's not going to warn you. You've just got to use it. Uh, and, yeah, stop all this coaching on the pitch. Uh, let's use the TMO. Let's give them something to do during that time. Uh, and yeah, that could speed up the game very quickly, I think, to me, is how I would go about doing it. Paul, look, to me, this is, again, complicating, just adding more layers. You know, to, uh, the simple answer to this, especially in, in a driving mall and also ball being available in a ruck and probably even in a scrum, in a set piece, is once the ball is available, the ref will say, use it. The ball comes out. If it doesn't come out, you lose it. It's pretty simple. Um, props being sent in from both sides for too many resets. Uh, yeah, get 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 some props on who are willing to play. For me, that's what I say. So yes, absolutely fine when 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 a referee tells props, look, guys, either you scrum properly or get some people on who will. I'm more than happy to hear that. Uh, and invariably, the scrums stay up a little bit more after that once they get both told about they're both going to go off. Uh, so yes, um, no problem. Yeah, look. Uh, my, my you know, I have some very strong opinions on this. For me, simplify the scrum. You just go one, two, three, go. That's it. All this, you know, every every three years we start changing things. And the reality is it's actually made the, that particular area of the game, which is a scrum, even more complicated. It's a lottery. Some people have no clue why a penalty has been given. And sometimes these referees, they don't even know. Um, and there's just too many differing points of view. So, again, simplify. Just go one, two, three, scrum, and then that's it. Get the ball out, use it or lose it. Simple stuff. ABC. Um, the um, uh, Moving on then to some Super Rugby questions. 
uh, and um, three national news. Now, I'm not sure if this is a real, the, the real three national news or it's a different, uh, or, if it's, or, if, or if it's a joke page. Uh, but um, uh, they said, uh, um, should Super Rugby have mid-season transfers? What are your thoughts on that well, one? Very, very, look, very interesting uh, concept. I, my opinion on it, uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa, is no, there shouldn't be, purely because it's going to be really odd uh, once we start this whole mid-seasonal um, transfers. And I think it's just only going to end up diluting the competition because, you know, you have a certain group of players, they get used to uh, a certain pattern, certain culture. And I think uh, based on what I, the evidence I saw last year, um, as the season gets going, once we come towards the latter part of the season, that's when we actually see the best of our rugby because all the numbers, especially the ball staying live in play and also the amount of players who've been used, uh, the individual numbers, they correlate on what we call R equals plus one curve. So it's a progressive curve. So uh, based on the evidence, I'm thinking, and I know it's only one season, I would say no to mid-season transfers as far as Super Rugby Aotearoa goes. Mid-season transfers work in football for a couple, for two reasons. One, the season's a lot longer. Right, the Super Rugby is only eight weeks long, nine weeks with the final, um, so there's really not enough time to be switching your side up. Secondly, uh, the money is transferring as well as the players, uh, which basically it's a way of it's a way that some com- some football clubs keep themselves alive. They produce players and they sell them. That's their business model. Uh, here in New Zealand, Super Rugby sides, <laughs> well, a none of the sides have got money to buy players off each other, and b the 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 the, the players are produced by uh, your by 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 minor ten cup and by the provinces, so there is no need for um, there is no need for that to say. So, so it wouldn't work in Super Rugby. Now, uh, I listened to a, a podcast where the new CEO of Scarlet was interviewed, uh, and which, which was which is interesting. And he was suggesting that perhaps that could be a model in um, rugby in Europe where. Teams that produce talent uh, can then sell it on. And he he was he made a suggestion that uh, uh, which I found a bit a bit um, interesting was that uh, he reckoned that Scarlet's overproduced talent, which considering that they've not won um, the uh, not won any titles in sort of what eight years now or nine years, um, I'm not quite sure he gets this idea that they're overproducing talent. They're not really being um, Competitive. Uh, well, they, they, they were competitive uh, up until about three years ago, uh, two three years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, you got to. Uh, so yeah, in, in some some interesting uh, comments from him there. Um, but uh, but yeah, interest. I, I can see how it could work in Europe, where teams have got a bit more money, and where teams actually develop their own players. In the Southern Hemisphere, oh, well, actually, that's not true. In, in in South Africa, they do, but in Australia and in uh, and particularly in New Zealand, the Super Rugby franchises definitely do not produce the talent. They just take the talent from the provinces that produce it for them. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I, I thought it was a very interesting piece. From I actually had a laugh about that old Scarlet's article, overproducing. Well, one thing, speaking of uh, this whole transferring talent and importing, I have to say, you know, the Melbourne Storm in the NRL and now the Wallabies under Dave Rennie, they've really figured out St. Kent's in Auckland. That's right, St. Kent's. <laughs> they, they seem to be a, a good uh, exporter of talent. 
Uh, and very soon, I think, within if Devrani continues over the next four years, we might actually see more New Zealanders, uh, beg your pardon, more Australians who played their school rugby in New Zealand playing for the Wallabies. So, yeah, there you go. Well, that's because that's only because St. Kent's go around hoovering up players from <laughs> other uh, schools sorry, sorry. around the country. So yes, anyway. I, I couldn't I couldn't resist. Okay, thank you for saying that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yes, St. Kent's with some interesting business practices for a school that's about developing people and rounded rounded people rather than professional rugby players. Um, yeah, anyway. love, love it or hate it, you know they've they've, they've got a, they've got a good track record and. Um, all power to them because the, the 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 better they do, the better the Wallabies will do. <laughs> and the Melbourne hey, top, they, by they, they, they have look. St. Ken's have got a very good track record of winning rugby games. How good a track record they have of actually educating boys to be rounded people and to actually be contributing to society is a different question entirely. Uh, but um, but as far as producing rugby players, absolutely they have a good record. But that's not what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's not their reason for existence. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, Aaron says that Jordy Barrett had the option to, in his contract to move to the Blues midway through his Hurricanes contract. Is that a mid-season transfer? No, that's not a mid. That would be at the end of a season, mid-contract transfer, not mid-season cap transfer. Uh, the pre-season window where you know all the player agents get involved in, in the dark, <laughs> you know, throw pretty much a lifeline for players who want to transfer. So yeah. You're, you're spot on there, Paul. Uh, yes, um, uh, Nocturnal Rights St. Kent's, just money for schoolboy rugby, not my thing. Totally agree with you there, Nocturnal Rights. Absolutely on yours. I you knew, know, I knew we'd get age. some discussion and reaction as soon as I throw the St. Kent's thing out there. So, uh, yeah, because I, I saw some photos of Univalu uh, um, training with the Wallabies out with the Queensland Reds, big pardon. And boy, he was looking very impressive. And man, he was a superstar. When he was with the, uh, that's right, St. Kent. <laughs> so, um, go the Wallabies. Yeah, so I mentioned yeah, the problem with the regions in Wales is that all the players go over the bridge to England. Yeah, I mean, Wales have been doing a better job of retaining their talent by, again, they've brought in a similar rule to Australia, where um, essentially you have to play in Wales unless A, you've got over 60 caps, or B, um, you signed, uh, you, you, you have not played for Wales before. So, if you signed and played in England, and then once you've got your first uh, Welsh cap, you've got to come back to Wales to play for Wales. So um, interesting. So uh, interesting one there. Um, how, how how Wales have been been going on about it. Um, Simon Hughes uh, said it on um, on Facebook. My question is: Where should Super Rugby expansion in the future? So click. Uh, so currently, we have obviously five teams in New Zealand, uh, the Blues, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, the Crusaders and the Highlanders. There are five teams, uh, and that's in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, in Super Rugby AU, you've got the Brumbies, the Waratahs, the Reds, the Rebels uh, and the Force in Super Rugby AU. And they will then be playing Super Rugby Trans-Tasman or TT, um, quick time trial at the end uh, there for, um, for it. All the, the four uh, Ex-Super Rugby teams in South Africa have gone off uh, and look like they're joining the what will become the Pro 16. Uh, and the Scarlet CEO did actually use the word Pro 16 in his uh, in his interview. So clearly that's going to be the brand for that. The Haguaris uh, have uh, moved into the South American um, rugby uh, competition. 
uh, with Chile, Brazil, etc. Uh, and the previous Argentinian team there has been uh, basically disbanded. The Sunwolves currently have been disbanded. So yes, currently we have just these five teams in New Zealand and Australia. Where, I guess, first off, where do you think it should expand to next? Where do you think it will expand to next? And where do you think it should expand to? Let's just start with where well, do you think it will expand? Uh, well, look, for me, all, all three um, are actually the same. And the reason, um, uh, I'll tell the reasoning first, because financially, logistically, um, and and also what's currently happening and what the country's vision for rugby is. And this is, I'm talking about Japan. I think this is where the future expansion should be. I was reading an article about how the Japanese, um, JRU, Japanese Rugby Union, want to make uh, the Japanese competition the best in the world, attract the best talent. Um, kind of like, you know, what, what the English Premier League did to itself in the, the mid to late 90s when it went, fully professional, that a horde of these mercenary overseas players come in. Uh, there's some amazing uh, talented coaches. And it, it, you know, it went full on professional in business model. Now to do this, you have to have people who are very good administrators, who have the financial nows, and also the, um, what is the term I'm going to use here? Uh, financial literacy, as in the professional currency, how you deal uh, in professional sport as a business so that there is sustainability, not that just be a one hit wonder, like a bottle of soda, just pop and, you know, because there's a lot of emotional stuff around, especially with, you know, the Pacific Islands. Now keep in mind, you know, I'm someone who's involved in a club where 99.7% are Pacific Island players. Uh, but the reality is when it comes to a financial literacy and a financial management point of view, this is an area where the administration has come short. So in my view, uh, purely looking at it from a professional point of view, I think Japan needs to be the best. And in fact, in Japan, there's probably room for two franchises. And this is where you will see most of this Pacific Island talent uh, being absorbed. Because as it is, the um, top league competition in Japan have a host of Polynesian stars on their books anyway. So it's just a matter of, you know, divvying it up and uh, creating two strong spots. For me, Japan, easy topic. Uh, look, I, I, I think Japan could uh, in time, and I'm not saying this we have to, this could be done next year. I think they could host a conference in a similar way. You can have Japan, uh, Super Rugby JP, Super Rugby NZ, Super Rugby AU, uh, and they could have five teams up there. Um, it's just a matter of growing it uh, in a sustainable way uh, and putting the building blocks in place first. Um, if, we, if, we, if, if we take a step back uh, and look at the Haguaris and the Sunwolves, they both joined Super Rugby at the same time. What do we have with the Haguaris? We had a team um, that uh, was planned for two years before it actually happened, uh, signed all its players ahead of time, um, got themselves organised, uh, and then and, and kept the same structure and the same players over their lifespan within Super Rugby. And they went from um, being uh, basically low, lower table up to making the final in their final year. The Sunwolves were put together, uh, well, well, probably were thought up about six months ahead of actually playing, uh, as they, they put a bid in, um, signed players at the last minute, um, changed their squad every single year, giving only one-year contracts, uh, and basically started at the bottom of the heap and ended at the bottom of the heap uh, and showed that they had zero administration, even though they had uh, um, 
uh, nous around it, even though they had some very good coaches in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Eddie Jones was involved. We um, had um, Pat Lamb involved. Uh, look, these uh, um, Tony Brown involved. Uh, these guys are good coaches. They know how to coach rugby players and put together winning teams. But they couldn't do that because it was given a brand new set of players every single year um, and given mixed priorities between the Japan job and the Sunwolves job. So, look, Japan historically have shown, uh, have not shown any ability to actually run rugby. Uh, they have, they've, they've run, they've generally had an amateur um, administration that uh, is an old boys network and doesn't actually make things happen. So, uh, it's at the moment, it's all talk um, and around being this best league in the world. Um, but uh, they don't work well with the companies that, that run the teams in the uh, top league. Uh, and they're trying to put in separate, a different structure of things. And you're like, okay, well, where's the money coming from that? Uh, are you going to work with these top league teams or you're not? Uh, and whilst, yes, I do think Japan is the right place to reach out to, unfortunately, their administration is just way too naive uh, at the moment to to, to properly build anything. Um, what Paul, what needs to happen is, you know, they, they, they have to look at medium to long term and actually, uh, you know, financially they will qualify because they have the resources. They have more resources than most of the top tier nations put together. Uh, so they need to have a professional setup where they commit to so that when they actually are given a license, and it is, you know, continually monitored. And this is where I think Super Rugby needs to evolve with. Uh, Sansa really need to have a look at some of their systems and processes and, and tighten up on their business aspect of it. With, with each and every individual franchise, they really need to put into place checks and balances so that they show and they meet certain benchmarks and standards purely from an administration point of view. I think once that is sorted out, and if they have enough residential uh, resident players uh, in a Japanese franchise or two franchises, uh, you know, especially getting some of these big Polynesian names and stars. Boy, it's only a matter of time before these guys be super competitive. I don't know whether, you know, in, in a short space of time, they will be able to beat or consistently challenge some of the top teams like in like the Crusaders, etc. But I think, um, as you rightly pointed out, if they can overcome the shortcomings of administration and get the right structure of understanding professional sport japan 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 all the way yeah um now i would also obviously like to see one or more um franchises in the pacific islands uh in fiji and potentially samoa uh as as, as well uh maybe even tonga but i think i'm not sure whether uh whether samoa and tonga would have to share because of of the size of their markets or whatever uh, but um starting off with one team um, across the three would be a good idea uh, a good way forwards, um, and then again, look, growing it um, sustainably over time. So you get to say, right, yes, in this World Cup cycle, we will have the um, Pacific Warriors. In the next World Cup cycle, we will set up the second team, and the Pacific Warriors will be Samoa and Tonga, and we'll set up a new Fiji team, um, and, and the Fijian team players will move over. That kind of thing would be how I would um, look at going about it. Um, but that requires some long-term plans and long-term goals. And we've never, let's be honest, We've never seen Sanzar give out any kind of long-term plan or long-term goals more than well, more than two years. Is pretty much as far ahead as they can think. They'll they'll put together a four-year TV deal, um, but if any changes to structure, um, they don't really think more than two years ahead. 
Yeah, and also, you know, each and every individual uh, union, you know, they are there for the benefit of themselves. Let's let's be honest about it. I mean, NZR will look after number one, which is NZR. So, I mean, any um, any support extended to the Pacific Islands, I would be, you know, really interested to see how um, how much of a true long arm extension it is, uh, and it just doesn't end up being a recruiting base for the existing franchises, and obviously escalating it to uh, test level, but. Um, yeah, again, I mean, there's look, guys, there's, there's, there's a lot of question marks, Paul. There's, there's all well, sorts of that, 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 that takes us directly into in, okay. So, those are how Bo and I would like to see Super Rugby expand. And essentially, what you're hearing is keep it in our time zone, um, and uh, do it in a sustainable manner with long term goals of how you expand extra teams. Okay, that's essentially what, what we're both saying. Okay, so the reality is. Um, of what will happen rather than what we would like to happen um, is that uh, we have these obviously these two five Kiwi teams, five Australian teams, and we're going to have two teams um, essentially join. One of them looks like it is going to be um, Fijian based as long as it can get itself off the ground. And the other one is going to be a Pacific side in South Auckland, which um, as Bella says, <laughs> wow, uh, what a great way to recruit players for the All Blacks. Um, <laughs> Sounds cynical, but that is what it looks like um, on the, uh, the the surface of it. Even if you say that, oh, they've already specifically qualified. Well, sure. Uh, and then when they get the option to play for either um, Fiji, where they pay for their own flights and get given a thousand bucks a game, or they get paid, or they get a um, eighty to hundred thousand dollar contract from New Zealand Rugby, which one are they going to choose? Quite rightly, I. Personally, being an Englishman would, would take the New Zealand contract rather than playing for England and having to pay for it myself. Folks, it makes absolute sense. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the, how will it expand? It, if it expands in the short term, it will expand with that Fiji team and the um, Moana Pacifica. Um, but um, that's the only way um, I can see. Uh, now, that Moana Pacifica team might play some games in West Sydney and South Auckland. Um, but uh, at the uh, but um, at the end of the day, what will be very telling about that team is their first ten internationals. Where do they play? Do they play for the Wallabies, the All Blacks, or do they play in the Pacific Islands? Yeah, I think the future future of uh, highest level rugby, Test rugby, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere now. Um, and I'm just going to go back to a point I think Simon was talking about uh, Wales and the provinces. Look, Scotland are now going down this road. They are on a big, big term, big time recruitment of uh, South African born players. So you will see a lot of South Africans uh, playing in the Scottish team for the next, you know, four or five, maybe even longer. Um, and I think Wales, sooner or later, will go down the same route because, you know, they are under huge pressure. I mean, Wayne Pivak has had a pretty uh horrific run of results um and and look the the easiest and best way especially at high performance um it worked for japan is to import players from overseas nations who are you know there or thereabouts who don't quite cut the mustard bring them in give them a long-term contract train them together and then just watch the magic happen so um, I, think I, think, I think that's what happened um in the old days with with, with japan and i think probably under Eddie jones that changed a bit um sure they they had Pacific players, but quite a lot of those would come over as schoolboys and get schoolboy um, scholarships, a bit like they do to, to New Zealand. Um, and uh, the uh, I think pretty much all of the Japan players had learnt 
Japanese and become Japanese citizens uh, and as proper Japanese um, speaking, not not your kind of um, your, sure, your, your, sure. Your, your so um, I think they did properly integrate with with the team with 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 the society, sorry, as well as the team. Um, so yeah, yeah this, but, so, this is a different form. This is a new evolution of the the quick fix. The bang, you're yeah. in, and hey, here we go. Here's a passport. You're a Scotsman, so where you go? Look, there's, there's, you know, it's it's a very subjective thing. You know, there's nothing wrong for those who advocate it, but me, I'm I'm very old-fashioned. I don't believe in that at all. You know, and and that that's a quick fix, and you know, quick fixes long term they're not sustainable. Yep. And uh, now, folks, um, Bo, thank you very much. We got through most of the questions. The one that we didn't get through uh, was nocturnal rights. One, which was. Um, naming the first or predicting the first 15s of each of the Super Rugby franchises. I knew we would not have time for that. Um, but that is something that we will do over the next sort of three to four weeks. Um, I think we've got that long before um, Super Rugby actually kicks off. So we'll probably do one team a week um, for the next five weeks uh, from the uh, New Zealand um, uh, teams at the very least. Maybe have a look at some of the Australian teams as well uh, and to, to predict those. So uh, look at that over the next um, several weeks, folks. Don't forget, 8 p.m. Tuesday evening, the Driving Mall show um, comes to you. Um, th Boa, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you, fans, for all the questions. It's uh, a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, and uh, folks, uh, don't forget to join me at 7 a.m. every single morning for the morning sports briefing, your best way to start the day up to speed with all of the important sports news. Uh, and also, hopefully, on Thursday evening at 8 p.m., we're trying to organize our very first A League slash Wellington Phoenix um, show. So uh, look out for that, um, hopefully, as I say, Thursday at 8 p.m. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.